welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out by going to Calvary's app or by heading to Connect with calvary.org slash daily connection. Well, today we're following up on uh, the fruit of gentleness and maybe some um, dead, Other stuff. Dead, dead people talk. I don't know. Other uh, stuff. Where That's are right. they? What are they doing? That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Because I'm kind of going backwards. I'm yeah. starting at the end of the sermon um, because we talked about a great cloud of witnesses and um, that always confused me. Um, growing up, I'm thinking, what are these people just like hovering above us and and uh, floating over us like a cloud? And are we really all one together in communion? Do they come back and eat with us? Or what is this all about? Okay, so I'd like for you to think about the Olympics. Uh, I know it's kind of a weird thing to think about um, when I'm talking about scripture. But um, think about that in in the sense that the uh, writer of Hebrews was talking about, um, was com- was comparing the Christian life um, to that of a uh, of a game and uh, the Greco-Roman world. Um, they had an amphitheater, of course, and the crowd um, would have been the witnesses, and that's what they talked about. In fact, the the word is martyres, which sounds like martyr, right? Because that's where that word comes from. Um, and um, um, they're the fo- the the folks <laughs> I can talk folks in the past that had perhaps been in those games. Uh, there were spectators and there were witnesses, people who had, who had been in those games and were now watching. People who really understood because they had been there. Um, I can watch a football game, but I have never played f- real football, um, not even fake football, to be honest. Um, and so it's different than than a, a someone who has played football watching a football game. So um, when we talk about the the cloud of witnesses, we're talking about the people who are watching, who have walked this life, who have um, uh, who are a part of it. I'm, and I'm sorry for the word watching. I'm not there standing over us watching us, uh, but who have lived this Christian life, who have walked this walk and understand what that walk means and the um, uh, the uh, the support that we are given um, because of their um, because of their walk and, and what they have done. So, um, you know, it, it's I think it's kind of a cool analogy, especially when it goes on to say, so run with perseverance um, um, and and um, uh, with intention um, as we as we go down this road. So when you think of a, of a cloud of witnesses, um, I, I don't know what the, what Isaac and Randy think about, but, um, it's, it's not necessarily, it is not, um, a hovering of spirits like Casper. Um, that's, that's not kind of where we go with that. When I read there and it talks about the cloud of witnesses, I'm, I'm reflected back throughout the old Testament, the, the, the walk and talk of early 
particularly was focused on fathers of the church, but was repeated through the oral tradition over and over and over again to teach uh, um, a pattern of uh, faithfulness to God. And so when I think about the cloud of witnesses, I think about those uh, when I read about Abraham and Noah and and Isaac and King David, and, and then I think about the cloud of witnesses like Peter and Paul. Then I move into a more modern day realm, more, rela- more related to me, and I think about Frank, and I think about uh, uh, Ken, and I think about others who have been uh, Dr. Stanger, uh, Dr. Thompson, Dr. Uh, uh, his name? Oh, yeah, his, my mind just went blank. Um, but those folks who were men, and, and this, it's equally true of women, of faith, and, and I think about the witness and the testimony, their walk mats, their talk. Mm-hmm. And for that, that's when I read uh, um, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. That's, that's what I reflect on. Mm-hmm. Um, and been able to share in the the life celebration of a number of those folks who were faithful up to the end, faithful in the beginning, faithful in the middle, faithful through through the hard times, faithful all the way up to the end. And those are the ones that you think back and say, you know, we always want to keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, which is Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the the witnesses, the the testimonies, the living testimonies here, you look at and say, you know, trying to remember his name there was a a professor in seminary who i thought man if i could pray just a little bit of the depth that he has when he prays uh, i'd have really i'd really have something Um, and so when i think about witnesses tied in with this conversation about gentleness uh, i began to go through those nine fruits of the spirit and think now who was an example that i might that I might follow, pattern my life after. Fortunate, if I'm fortunate enough that they're still alive, sit down and talk to you about uh, how how do you develop a gentle spirit? How do you maintain that? How do you keep that? Or even how do you get that gentle spirit to start with? Uh, I'm not sure in in my realm of teaching or in my realm of learning as a young man growing up, that necessarily was uh, touted as something that you. Uh, necessarily wanted to exhibit it really wasn't a part of the conversation aggressive right uh driven mm-hmm. uh productive uh what have you accomplished uh you do whatever you need to do to get there kind of thing uh, but gentleness was not uh, a fruit that uh that really was in my my thought pool for a long long time until i began to read the scripture yeah, and we've we've said all along that you know we don't have to go out and try to develop it. It's it's within us. We just have to figure out how to release it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we as we think about that, some of the other words that I I didn't develop very much in the sermon were meekness and ap- even I didn't even want to go here, but submission uh, and submissiveness in our society today is not well thought of at all. Um, but it's it's uh, a, a mutual submission uh, with people. Um, you're smiling at me, Randy. Um, but it's a submission to God and to the uh, the ability to um, uh, to listen to who God is. Um, and and I and I l- looked uh, 
something up this morning, which I found was interesting. And um, the the same Greek word that is used for that submission really means to tame, like a taming, taming of a wild animal. And in the taming of a wild animal, that animal doesn't lose their strength, you know. Um, they still have that strength. They just use it in a controlled way. Um, so to keep our strength, to keep our um, our ability, certainly to keep our intellect, you know, we're not checking our brain at the door. Um, we're not letting someone else walk all over us. We are, um, it, it, it's that strength, uh, maintaining that, that strength, but not using it against someone like a wild animal could, if not tamed. You know, I think it takes more energy, more spiritual depth to be a gentle person in the midst of difficulty or in the midst of circumstances or situations rather than less. So I've, I don't know that I've ever saw that as uh, a sign of weakness. In fact, I think, you know, surfacely, yeah, you know, if, you, uh, if, you, if you're considered to be meek on the basketball court, you're probably going to be on the bench if you act that out. But if, if, in that, uh, if in that moment you're the one, I watched a couple of football games yesterday and a couple of NFL players just absolutely lost their minds. All of them got ejected, which is probably, and they're probably going to be suspended, some of them. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you don't have to prove somebody by punching their helmet with your hand, which is really stupid, uh, that you're a tough guy. Uh, there's another way to do that and that you just beat them on the next play. Not beat on them, but win the well, next play. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, yeah. So then how do we deal with that issue of gentleness in the face of adversity and justice? And we can look at that in terms of uh, what we've just heard in terms of the church shooting. Um you know, I, I was thinking about that after I preached, recognizing that I I didn't and wouldn't have had time anyway to go into, you know, how do you do that? How do you talk about that spiritual fruit um, when you're um, you're walking the path to, to try to to be just? And and I think still my um, uh, unless my emotions get in the way, I. I really believe that the way to justice is calmness. <laughs> you know, keeping our head on and, and trying to, to figure out a way to negotiate um, and to find a, a right way. Um, and, and I saw on Facebook last night and, and today some you know, just, just people battering each other um, about gun control and and uh, ways that we can prevent these kinds of things. And On Facebook? Are you yeah. sure? It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound like Facebook. I know, I know. It's, it's unusual. Um, see, gentleness at that point in time would be that you don't take up your political agenda and start to, to ride that horse in the middle of the fact that I was reading this morning three generations of one family pieces of three generations of one family were killed. This isn't the time to talk about gun control. This is the time to talk about mercy and the time to pray for comfort and to, to think thoughts of, of, uh, of um, peace. Um, 
but not uh, not necessarily uh, the whole gun control thing. Um, it is. It's a it's a point of conversation at some point, but those folks that immediately jump on that. Uh, I don't know that the gentleness of their spirit is maybe where it needs to be at that point in time. But I think our, our human instinct is to want to fix it, to allow this to never happen again. And so so we jump to whatever it is um, that we think will fix it. And I think you're right that that's where the fruit of gentleness comes out when you say, wait, we need to, to look at the people that were involved here and the pain that is here and uh and pray for those folks mm-hmm. uh, um and 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 pray for all of those around the world who are hurting pray for the shooters family um for um for shooters everywhere for their families there are other people um that are hurting throughout this world and I, maybe that's where the gentleness comes in but not in saying okay whatever you want to do is fine uh, that's not what gentleness is. No, and it's not making excuses no. for who he was before he did this or who he was doing this mm-hmm. or the fact that um, uh, he took his life not to face the consequences afterwards. That's not what gentleness is about. Mm-hmm. But it's equally not being caught up into the evil that happened right. so that it becomes a possessive kind of thing of our soul, our attitude, and our spirit. Because many times what happens at that point in time, that anger, whatever that's stirred up with, with inside of us, it will never be vented on that person, that individual shooter. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's going to be vented on somebody else if we don't get a spiritual kind of handle on that. Mm-hmm. And it may be on somebody else that just frustrates us or that we're already angry at. Mm-hmm. And so not, not uh, getting so caught up in that, I think, difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I was talking with the men's group. Wednesday morning last week, I said, you know, there there are still days when uh, the Lord's delivered me from most of the redneck of my Missouri farm boy days, but not completely. And there's days when, when I see some things, I want to go out and take them out behind the woodshed and educate them uh, in a different way. Um, and, you know, I think any, any person in, would have looked at this thing and thought, you know, gosh, uh, this guy doesn't deserve much. Uh, but the point is not that, uh, that our feelings aren't valid and the fears are not valid, but we can't allow ourselves to get caught up in that evil because that evil then will begin to eat at us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and you're right. It gets manifested in different ways. Yeah, well, I think there's something to be, um, to be said about non nonviolent resistance, and I think you know we saw a lot of that in um, in the civil rights movement of the '60s and early '70s, and I think that again comes out of um, a very Christian understanding of Absolutely. what it means to resist evil, mm-hmm. and um, I, I think that that uh, the, the resistance is a is a good word uh, because there is force in it, but it's not. It's not violent force. It's right. not. It's not um, lethal force. It's not yeah. A, a, a yeah offense uh, kind of force. But it it does take strength. It's not um, you know it's not it's not wimpy in that sense. And in some ways, it calls us to to uh, be more <laughs> be more in it than anyone else. I think in some ways. Um, but 
uh, th- there's a track record, I think, of that working, even in a culture Absolutely. that's similar to ours. And we, we uh, that that is seldom the first path taken anymore. And that's, you know, that's a shame because I, I think it's been both demonstrated as successful to change culture or at least push it in a, a different direction. Um, and it's very old in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, its heritage within the church and within the prophets of Israel. And, um, you know, it's a shame that we don't embrace that, I think, more mm-hmm. right away, that we run to uh, lots of other <laughs> kinds of solutions um, that are violent in all kinds of different ways, mm-hmm. whether they're just vocally violent or um, physically violent, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So we become reactionary um, and not... Um not looking at things from um, from what's a, what is a positive response to this. We just a guttural reaction, which is understandable. It's understandable. Um, this is the third church shooting in the in the last three years. The first one three years ago was the African American church, where what was his name, Rofe or Roof or something went in. Uh, he's been convicted and. Uh, I think either life sentence or sentence to die over that. But that church set an example of how to respond in Christ-likeness. I think it was an individual last year that may have been shot outside of the church. That one's a little foggier in my mind. But I have nothing less than to believe that this church will, will somehow respond and overcome because Frankly, Christians have been doing that since the since Jesus was here. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have been fighting ways to overcome, finding ways, not fighting, finding ways to overcome those kinds of things that raise up evil uh, to an almost unbelievable inhumane level, and finding a way because of the cross that uh, that. Uh, uh, Somehow, it doesn't take possession of us. Uh, My greatest fear is always that uh, when uh, these kinds of events happen, and they could be tornadoes, they could be hurricanes, they could be shootings, they could be whatever disaster events that there are, uh, that there will be somebody out there who's been thinking about God and say, well, how could God let this happen and just completely turn their back and go the other way? That, to me, is the biggest travesty or Mm -hmm. tragedy in the thing. Um, And that, um, you know, for Christians, I want to say to you is that, uh, uh, folks, uh, our God is still here, and he's walking with these folks, and he'll continue to do that just as he's been walking with believers uh, since the beginning of time. So, um, you know, don't forsake, don't forsake. Uh, what you know in your heart. Don't forsake the way God, um, the way God, uh, uh, or is His Spirit of grace for us. Don't forsake that when you live it out for somebody else. And then we, as Christians, then need to respond in a positive way that gives people a different picture. Um, 
I I was looking online this morning to uh, see if Bishop Beard, um, the bishop of our conference, had said anything yet, and he probably has about this. I just haven't read it yet. But what I did notice was an article that I missed, um, and that was um, a, a day of prayer walking. And um, I think that this would be um, something that we can embrace as a positive thing to do. He called on us for November 18th, that's a Saturday, to be uh, prayer walk day. And uh, if none of you have done that, um, it's a powerful thing. You just walk through whatever neighborhood you want to walk through and just pray over the places you walk by. Um, You might see a playground and know that there are kids around, and so you pray over those kids. Um, You know, there are just lots of different ways we can do that. But, um, uh, you know, you may hear more from us about that, uh, about prayer walking our neighborhoods and and uh, respond in a positive way, my friends, because uh, um, God is bigger than this. Um, so, yeah, just looking forward to, to some positive response. Isaac is shaking his head. I don't know if that means the music is coming up or not. It probably does. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Uh, so we'd love to uh, have your feedback. If you've got questions or comments uh, about uh, what we talked about today, we'd love to hear those. You can uh, send those through email, uh, Facebook, uh, if it's working, uh, Twitter, <laughs> um, website, all of those uh, different ways to get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be back next week with a deeper dive into... Self-control. Uh, yes. <laughs> that is that is correct. <laughs> Until then, grace and peace. Peace.